Hello and welcome to Burst the Bubble. You're listening to 97.2 Cam FM. This is the show all about the silly news stories that have gone on in the past week and some chat thereof. Uh, joining me this week is my regular co-host Michael Contario. Hello. And our guest this week, Jonathan Cairns. Hi there. So, uh, we're going to be starting off with... Well, in fact, Michael, uh, I think you're the, uh, the appropriate person to introduce this first one. Uh, what is our first story all about this week? Well, we're starting off with a food section, and our first story is that all the supermarkets are introducing traffic light labelling for nutrition. And people are saying that uh, the, the different labels and all of them so far have been confusing, and now we're just going to one unified theory of traffic light labelling. So when you say traffic light labelling, in the nicest possible way, what are you on about? Okay, so this is the idea that people are unsure as to what is healthy and what isn't to eat. And so they're going to have traffic lights saying red, meaning this this is high in fat, or or this is high in sugar, or green foods are good for you, yellow foods, well, amber foods, you you possibly don't want to have too much. And red foods, stop, danger, this this is going to kill your arteries. Or similar. Or other parts of you, presumably. I mean, that's not the only kind of bad health. That but is true. <laughs> I, I've seen those before, though, so so that already existed, right? Yeah, but now, now they're going to use a consistent UK-wide one because apparently it's hard for people to work out that red on one supermarket's traffic light is bad and it's bad on another supermarket's little ticky box. Ah, I see. The thing is, it says it says you won't have to be a maths genius anymore to work out which is the healthier product to buy. <laughs> um, I did a maths degree and I still get confused by this. I remember sort of comparing two products, you know, I'd have a, a box full of chicken goujons and it would it would say green or orange and I'd be like, yeah, that's all right, that's that's probably reasonably okay. And then I look above it and it says uh, two goujons contain. And there's sort of like ten in the packet. Oh, yeah, so the, so the scam is to adjust the portion size until it sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, it's the old one. Oh, I can't you, remember. You're really going to call it a scam? <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, it's, it's, it's a thing that's intended to deceive. Surely that constitutes a scam, doesn't it? I mean, are you, are you saying that I'm libeling somebody vaguely? <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I need to name somebody before, before, before that would be a risk. Uh, all, I, all I'm saying is that I, you know, I have seen at least one occasion of somebody saying one-fifth of a pizza contains with the obvious expectation that I would gobble down the whole pizza and go, mm-hmm, those some good <laughs> arteries that are totally not closing up right now. <laughs> That's an interesting expectation, particularly the mm-mm at the, at the start. I always say that whenever I eat anything. <laughs> I think there was one time where some people got criticised because they brought out a cake and the um, on the back it said, per slice. And you worked out how big the slice was as part of the cake and it was actually almost physically impossible to cut that smaller slice of the cake <laughs> without the cake crumbling purely into bits. Which is, I think, an interesting definition of a slice. I'm pleased that you've located the quantum of cake, though. <laughs> yes, I mean, like that, that was an unsolved problem until just now, and that supermarket has brought us the answer, so thank you for that. I, I think traffic lights is one that's already being used now. I, I, think, uh, I think we should move on to something a bit more natural, because obviously 
in nature things that are bad for other animals to eat quite often have bright colouring like bees or something around the entire thing so I think rather than a little traffic light on the packet we need to have the entire packet have bright bright colours and stripes or, if it, or pictures of bees or pictures of bees that, w- that would be um, a way of actually taking um, what happens in nature to the extreme and actually going with that but I think something that the whole packet, rather than just a little bit, say this, this is bad. And also, perhaps we wouldn't need it on on packets of say sugar, which is something which is obviously not good for you in big quantities. Or, or is, am I, or am I uh, assigning this too be, much? Yeah, this would be similar to writing the ingredients on a packet of sugar. With this being said, as, okay, so whether whether using the existing traffic light scheme uh, or your your bee coloring thing that makes you think that the that the box of pizza is going to eat you or sting you or whatever evolutionary response we're supposed to be having to that have we established whether anybody cares like has anybody done a study into whether when you put one of these traffic light things on a pizza anybody goes or whether everybody has the overwhelming urge to eat a pizza and already knew that it wasn't very good for them uh, and isn't dissuaded by the fact that there's a sign saying incidentally pizza is not good for you also I have some great news regarding both the Pope and bears I I don't know which I can repeat on the radio but but basically we've got here health campaigners apparently welcome the move but it doesn't say what they've done to investigate the move well, I think it is it is useful, right? There's there's certainly been lots of studies done on uh, cigarette packaging, uh, with regards to being presented with risks. You know, make, makes you a bit more aware of them. Okay, One thing that got me is I saw a uh, a poster for trying to encourage people to not get completely drunk on a night out, and it, and it was it said something along the lines of consider having a glass of water after every pint or something along those lines. And this was this was one of those proper big posters on a bus stop, and I'm thinking, who is that poster actually aimed at? Because all the people who actually don't want to, who think, oh, perhaps it would be healthier if I didn't get drunk, were actually already not getting drunk. They weren't going. If only there was a way that I could not get drunk. Whereas all the people who go out to actually get completely wasted aren't going to care about it because they already know that getting completely wasted isn't good for them as evidenced by the fact that after you do it you throw up but they might uh, I, s- I suppose you know doubling down on, on my own devil's advocacy uh, with a bit of I suppose angelic legislation uh, <laughs> then uh, y- you might find that what people actually do is they look at them and go sure, I'm certainly not going to go and drink a pint of water after every uh, af- after every pint uh, what, what would the rugby team say about that why they would have me defrocked for certain I think that's the term for what the rugby team do to you when you're when you're insufficiently beer swilling uh, but they might then sort of go hmm but I could trade in that final Jaeger bomb that I was considering for just half of one or a Jaeger grenade <laughs> So, you know, they might step back a little bit, even if they don't step back to the desired amount, with the sort of internal mantra that, you know, it's still good and proper, and there's just a certain amount of subconscious guilt has got at them. So, uh, similar, I suppose, to the thing where you sort of, you, you get one of those tombstone pizzas that are appropriately named, and you go, and then you get to, like, the last, there's a last sort of one-eighth of the pizza left, and you sort of go, ah, like a good person, I'm going to wrap that in foil and put it in the fridge instead of consuming it now. This is also contributed by the fact that I feel as if I 
I might explode. <laughs> but, you know, it makes you back off just a little bit. So, you know. So l- it- l- later you end up eating it and going, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, yes. I- I'm glad to feel that my arteries took that punishment now and not earlier. So what we could do is you could just go for a uh, really, really over-the-top don't eat anything sort of message on the food thing ever <laughs> uh, eating and- anything may be a problem do not eat <laughs> and then and then that might contribute just slightly to people go perhaps i shouldn't finish the tombstone pizza would that, is, would that work does that does that follow yeah. your logic yeah well yeah or, or make the tombstone pizza's name more um, ominous yeah, more, more ominous than more, tombstone more, more ominous. pizza. <laughs> uh, two tombstones, for example. <laughs> Cemetery pizza. <laughs> Unmarked grave. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> uh, we, we've had an email in uh, suggestion that um, instead of a Jager bomb, you could have a Jager shrapnel. Jager shrapnel. Well, <laughs> Jager. That's what happens when I spill my Jager bomb all over the table. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, please, please. Um, let us know your name when you send in emails. We, we would like to know who you are rather than just having a, a number to assign to you. Yeah, we'd mm-hmm. like to attribute blame properly. Uh, and if you'd like to email in, you can email studio at camfm.co.uk. If you're listening live, you can just use the web form there. Or you can text cam plus your message to 80809. Uh, we're moving on to another um, story now about food, which is the idea that uh, it's been suggested that the invention of cooking made uh, having a bigger brain an asset for humans um, because beforehand we couldn't get enough nutrition to have a big brain and then cooking was the the key skill that we learnt um, that, that allowed us to in- increase the size of our brains um, um, which is interesting I- I'd like to wonder whether there was some sort of like because the human Heston Blumenthal who was kind of experimenting with doing these different things with food and eventually hit on the idea of actually like applying fire to it for a while mm. and it kind of like was applying what if that was like applying rocks to it kind of like sprinkling bits of grass on it all these different things and it was there was that eureka moment when flame and food coincided um because uh, as, as we all know flame grilling just tastes better from a certain big big brand advertising campaign so I suppose that makes about as much sense as, say, chilli sauce, doesn't it? Like, you've got to think, whoever first uh, developed chilli sauce developed it. Whoever first extracted chilli sauce, whoever first found a chilli, uh, w- would have eaten it and then gone, I wonder if this would make a good condiment. <laughs> and along similar lines, whoever, whoever first came up with fire would have probably burned themselves in quite a number of interesting ways and then gone, hmm, never again. Life previously has gone on quite well and this one has destroyed my home, assuming I have a home by this point in evolution, I'm not sure, uh, and or singed me arms. Uh, you know, I'll be avoiding that in future, but instead has gone, hmm, but maybe if applied in small quantities, good times. Though I suppose that one's a little bit more obvious, uh, because you can sit near-ish a fire and go, ah, the glorious warm glow, uh, whereas you can't sit near a chilli and go, <laughs> tastes pretty good at a metre's separation. Don't you do that? I do that. <laughs> yeah, some of the stronger chilies you can probably actually just be in the vicinity of and kind of inhale the chili. <laughs> but um, what, what's is it an inverse square law? <laughs> like chili proximity with respect to taste intensity, as subjectively reported. Um, prob- I, I think we I owe it to it. science to find out. Yeah. So um, next, next, next week, I'll bring in a chili and just leave it look somewhere in the studio and we'll be able to see if you can tell it by how hot it gets. It would actually give them a bit more literal hot and cold. Um, <laughs> yes and no. 
and whatever. <laughs> what? I was just trying to quote some Katy Perry there, but that's always a bad idea in social oh, situations, oh. I find. <laughs> um, but the suggestion that uh, apparently we would have to spend uh, about nine hours or more each day eating raw food, according to this uh, scientific paper, well, well, as a, as a pri- not, not us now, but as a like, primordial human mm. going around eating that, which... Presumably similar to pandas and things like that. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the whole pandas being possibly the most ill-suited to life of the cuddly animals <laughs> uh, in, in, in terms of like their, their complete inability to do anything right. <laughs> so I guess the thing about, uh, about cooking teaches you one thing, which is that uh, if you're concerned about those tombstone pizzas, consider not putting it in the oven. Because, you know, like, then, like primitive man, you'll have a much harder time extracting nutrition from it. Uh, you might also catch dysentery, uh, which will drastically reduce your uh, your calorific intake. So, uh, so, so omit the cooking step. That's that's my diet plan. Yeah, they'll need to have a dysentery traffic light on the uh, the packaging. <laughs> what colour is that traffic uh, light? Uh, <laughs> B, B coloured. Yes, <laughs> seven Bs. <laughs> this is likely to sting you. Oh, okay, oh. but it, it does lead to the interesting conclusion that. Colleges are doing really badly by not giving people proper cooking materials in their in their rooms. It's like just just, just a microwave. Because, because well, they're going. They're saying that you need to cook food to uh, ha- have the, have the bigger brains. So obviously they should they should make sure that there are extra ways for us to cook food. They're, they're testing us by getting us to reinvent fire. Is it <laughs> something like that? <laughs> Next up, can you move stuff back back and forth from your room without wheels? Let's reinvent it. Yes, uh, challenges for Cambridge students. <laughs> Just like work our way up the evolution ladder. <laughs> you can only get your, your tripos when you've uh, fi- finally like reinvented everything in your subject up until present day. Well, yeah, they should. They shouldn't give us accommodation, really, should they? They should just provide a bare cliff face, and we have to learn how to mine and things like that. <laughs> It's going to be a real pain for the Komskys having to d- design their own computers. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a pain for quite a lot of the. Uh, Quite, quite a lot of the scientists do on it. The art students, not so much, because well, to re- rediscover philosophy, you just kind of like, having already read a book about philosophy, you just go, ah, that. <laughs> but you can't really do, redo experiments to make um, all the tr- scientific equipment that we've already got. In the politest possible way, that sentence is clearly insane. <laughs> because... <laughs> Philosophy, well, okay, so philosophy is a bit of a, a grey area because it's halfway between a science and an art, being as it is kind of pondering but not really doing much about it. But science is very easy to repeat. That's the point of experiments and science and scientific methods and so on, is that you can repeat them and you can figure out how to repeat them uh, based based on what is asserted to have happened. The the, the, the different one is, is the arts. It's like, imagine that sort of when somebody said, we're not going to tell you anything about impressionism, but we'll tell you the initial conditions for of impressionism <laughs> now recreate them there's no way it would happen uh, I, I was more getting about the fact that it would take a long time to work to bootstrap your way up from rocks to computers but true but i think like <laughs> bootstrapping your way out from being a human to like all of philosophy as has been as has, as has, as has been exercised between the dawn of time and now would take you a fair while True, like true. your your art would be all about sort of putting one banana on top of another for quite a long time before you went hmm maybe pigments maybe pigments on flat surfaces maybe modifying bananas to have different shapes maybe it need not be a banana at all you know take you a little while okay I can see the point <laughs> anyway 
Uh, but yes, if, if you've got any comments about any of the subjects we've uh, been talking about, studio at canfm.co.uk. Or if you're listening online, there's a web form thing which you can use. Uh, whilst we go away for a, a brief break, uh, then... Uh, uh, I'd, I'd like to once again, as, a, as, as of last week, uh, set the headline challenge uh, over the course of the break. Uh, so uh, uh, if you can guess uh, the blank in the following headline correctly, uh, then uh, <laughs> then you, uh, uh, you win the same prize as last week, actually, uh, which is that you get to nominate a name uh, for, for one of the people in the studio, uh, which must be you, uh, assuming it's broadcastable, uh, must be used for the rest of the broadcast. Uh, so you, you, can, you can nominate a person and you can nominate a name. Uh, the headline is as follows. Uh, blank Buddha from space may be fake. This isn't a story we're going to be doing. <laughs> But it says that the headline is genuinely "Blank Buddha from Space May Be Fake." So if you can guess what uh, what goes in the blank, uh, get in touch. Studio@camfm.co.uk. Use the web form. Uh, you have until the end of this song to get your answers in. Uh, we'll be right back. On air, online, and across Cambridge, your station, your CamFM. Hello and welcome back to Burst the Bubble. This is ninety-seven point two CamFM. Uh, so, no correct answers on the uh, headline quiz uh, just as of yet, so uh, keep those coming in if you've got any ideas. Uh, the uh, headline we're looking for you to fill in is Blank Buddha from Space May Be Fake. Uh, we're ideally speaking looking for the correct answer, but uh, I, th- I think anything uh, e- even vaguely amusing will be lauded with plaudits. I-, I can personally guarantee at least one plaudit. Are you willing to contribute a plaudit, Michael? I might contribute half applaud it. Half applaud it. All right, one and a half plaudits plus whatever Jonathan can bring to the table. I'm all out applaud it. You're all out. out afraid, oh. Sorry, as so often. Okay. Uh, well, in the meantime, let's move on to our next story. Uh, this section's all about technology. Uh, Michael, what's our first technological story for this week? Uh, our first story is that Superman, or rather his alter ego Clark Kent, is quitting the Daily Planet newspaper job, which he has had for years, and yet basically no time because of the weird way that comic books like that work uh, and is going to go online and uh, start spreading his news stories that way well you, uh, you, you say for no time at all that's because uh, his past was recently erased right uh, my, my understanding is that uh, I think DC Comics who uh, who published the Superman series uh, basically decided that their Continuity, like the, their story structure as they'd built it up, uh, had become so utterly mind-bogglingly confusing that nobody understood it anymore, including the writers. Uh, and so they just junked the entire story uh, and began over again. Uh, so Superman is uh, created anew, uh, and in particular, uh, can't be bothered with the print press. Yeah, definitely a sign of our times that he's going online rather than going to another, um, an- another newspaper or TV channel, which apparently he did at one point. Clark Kent um, apparently for a brief period of time was a TV news reporter which I, I can imagine being a m- much more inconvenient for the Superman character because it's harder to disappear in, in, into a phone box and change when you've got a camera following your every move it is quite easy to outrun a camera crew though if you're <laughs> Superman <yeah. laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the advantages and that doesn't look suspicious at all <laughs> oh I think I heard a thing <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go behind that rock there <laughs> <laughs> Superman, you're on air. What are you doing? We need to hear about the latest court case involving cake. <laughs> well, of course, cake. Well, of course, being online is perfect for Superman because um, he can pretend to be anyone that he likes online. Um, <laughs> so, so, so he can really have a, a, a proper brand new secret identity. 
He doesn't have to be Clark Kent online. He can be some new blogger. I don't know, super blogger. There we go. At Clark <laughs> Kent instead or something. <laughs> At Clark Kent. So in your mind, he was thinking, better come up with a great secret identity, but I just can't bring myself to give up the super element of the name. A double bluff of sorts, I suppose. <laughs> so anybody, anybody goes up to whoever's not Commissioner Gordon, but kind of has the similar role that is supposed to be keeping tabs on Superman. I'm assuming, by the way, that in the Superman universe, the police are a bit displeased at the existence of Superman, because I thought they would be. Like, either that he's a pesky vigilante, or just that he puts them out of a job. Either way, I'd have thought they'd be after him. Uh, and, uh, and, and and you'd never convince him by going, I found this fella called Superblogger, maybe we should bust him. So, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely him, that one. But the, the whole online communications me- medium is surely redundant if you're Superman, because he is the only creature... Uh, well, the only fictional creature? That's not true. I could make one up, but whatever. He's a, he's, a, he's a fictional creature for whom a viable communications method to the whole world is shouting. You know, he, he could... Like, if he has an idea he particularly wants to spread around, he could just fly and shout it a lot. And people that just everywhere would be like, what's that whizzing sound stroke blur... You know, sort of blurry thing that keeps on going past? And why do I keep on hearing... Uh, dissident political thought and it's not because you're going insane it's because Superman is just kind of you know he's, he's, he's in continuous motion uh, and, uh, and and bellowing about the BNP I'm going to say against the BNP because I, I think Superman's a nice guy like that he'd just be a walking asbo magnet if he did that though wouldn't he <laughs> <laughs> disturbance all through the night yeah. yes. yelling out I've just found some interesting articles to read <laughs> Are you suggesting that's what his journalism is going to be? It's going to be yes. retweeting links. Yes, <laughs> I'm suggesting he's a commentator of sorts. <laughs> you could probably unsubscribe from Superman by putting something nearby that he can reliably detect, even travelling at great speed. Probably, probably a smell. Like you, like if you if you lit a joystick or something, then Superman pass like he he would train himself to follow lines of equal joystickness uh, and thus shape around the the little sort of Superman ex- exclusion zone that he created. You're, you're missing the like obvious fact that kryptonite exists and therefore oh. could be used as a barrier. That is, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, you'd, you'd sell little nuggets of kryptonite in like a convenient ballpoint pen type holder uh, in order to. <laughs> Superman unsubscribe uh, for the for the time being, like when you're sleeping, for example. Uh, but no, I, I I think that I do think that going online you can, you can like really get some in depth journalism going on and then have it read by practically no one because as far because um people are still going to the big media outlets instead of instead of um Superblog. Uh, well, true. Yeah. Sorry. Well, these these individual blog owners do become popular sometimes, right? They, you know, he just needs a decent super marketing strategy. <laughs> Is that one of his powers? Yes, <laughs> the ability to search engine optimize and raise his page on Google. <laughs> he could. He could. He could just like fly into the air and make a contrail with his website <laughs> address on, <laughs> and no one, no one, no one would know what it was. But uh, is it a pl- bird? Is it a plane? No, it's an advert for supernews.com. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, actually, because um, Superman is from space, and from space was in the news story that uh, news headline that you were talking about, Chris. Uh, we've actually had lots of different suggestions for um, this. Uh, would you like to read some of them out? 
Uh, sure, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we, we have lots of suggestions and one entrant uh, who, is, uh, who is ballot stuffing here. Uh, but he's, he's, uh, he, he suggests uh, what kind of Buddha uh, from space was found to be fake? He suggests an overweight Buddha. Can there be such a thing? I think not. A pointy-eared Buddha. That's a Yoda. Uh, a, a dieting Buddha. Now that 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 that, that is that is proper. He's uh, been paying attention to the traffic light signals on the uh, on his food. This next one, I, it, it it's a word that I don't know, and it might be a euphemism for something that I shouldn't say, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, Superman Buddha. Uh, and finally, uh, he points out that the BNP wouldn't be particularly keen on Superman uh, on account of the fact that uh, that he immigrated to the planet Earth, which is true. Uh, moving on to our next media story now, it's the fact that Analog TV and also with it CFAX are now no more over the entire UK, which possibly means that we will never ever see the sort of strange robot thing with a tick in the middle of its chest that was advertising moving to digital. I'm distraught. <laughs> I don't know about you. But uh, yes, um, Northern Ireland was the last place to switch over. Um, taken five years, and bizarrely, it seems to have gone well, which is possibly the biggest part of this news story that hasn't actually been mentioned. Yep, it turns out that if you obsolete something that uh, nobody's been able to buy for 15 years, it turns out uh, most people have moved on in the meantime. Big shock. Uh, World doesn't end. Also, if... You know, people were denied access to the BBC, to BBC television for a short time. There are, of course, no other ways to obtain the BBC. Dot dot dot. Yeah, as it turns out, it's fine. The the, the weird thing is surely the fact that we that they bothered at all uh, with digital TV. Like considering that. Okay, so the, so an, the analog television uh, transmission system lasted for about eighty years. As in, you know, from its initial establishment. Uh, and obviously there were some upgrades in the meantime, uh, notably introducing colour. Uh, I don't think you needed to replace the mast in order to do that. I think you just needed to kick out a different kind of signal uh, using using the same bands and the same masts. Um, but anyway, that, that's a boring tangent. Uh, the, the point is uh, that the analogue television system, as it stood, lasted for eight years. Whereas the digital television system that they've just built is going to last, what, ten years at the most? before the ubiquitous way to obtain television is using IPTV, because we are even now rolling out pervasive fibre-optic communications to the point that that's going to be completely pointless. And, and at that point, Superman will just, uh, just be, will be able to uh, just have an, his own IPTV channel. It's kind of like all super all the time. Well, you could do that now. You know, <laughs> you don't need to be a mighty spaceman of the future in, a, in, order, to, in order to kick video over the internet. But it helps. <laughs> it does. Yeah, that's true. You don't have to buy any of the kit because you can just kind of plug your arm into the cable and go... <laughs> and it does all the right stuff. You would probably end up seeing your dreams or something. You wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a good idea to plug your brain directly into the internet. Things could go very, very wrong. I could just I'd end up with my head full of cat pictures and things like that. <laughs> Videos of toddlers misbehaving. Oh, you're worried about your brain being packed with... Ro- I, oh, I was, yeah, yeah, I they've was been reversed worried, by mistake. I was more worried about my brain being read well, uh, than my brain being written to. But, yeah, either one of them I wouldn't be particularly well- welcome to invite the internet in. I think kind of CFAX going and all the sort of like teletexts closing down is one of the sadder things though. Although some people have got a little bit um, 
too nostalgic about it already. Um, someone has suggested that CFAX ha- headlines offered an instant window on the world, which was true if and only if you'd managed to press the number in at the exact right time that that page was coming around in the loop. And so it would appear then. Otherwise, it would take a while as it counted through all the numbers and got back to 101 or whatever it was that your headlines were on. I, I think they, they, they chose a way of uh, uh, ending this that seemed quite depressing. It says they... They had a series of graphics on CFAC's front page that just shrank and disappeared down to a small dot. <laughs> which I don't know, it just seems very depressing. You don't end like, a series of Strictly Come Dancing by, with a, a picture of Bruce Forsyth just sort of slowly ageing and decaying and withering away or something <laughs> like that. I, I thought you were going to go with, like, we saw that just shrinking into the distance as the cameraman <laughs> legs it in the opposite direction. <laughs> and Bruce runs after him and the cameraman goes, how can he go at such a... Wait, a minute? And then Bruce rips off his shirt and he's like, dun dun <laughs> To the internet! <laughs> Dear, but, um... Actually, it's not, it wasn't on uh, CFAX, but... Um, there was a quiz on Channel Four of Bamboozled. Oh, Did you remember anyone ever playing Bamboozle. that? <laughs> it, it was brilliant because you could cheat at it. In that there were there were the four different coloured buttons corresponding to four possible answers to a question, and you could press it. And sometimes, um, and if you got the answer wrong, it would send you back to a page saying you got you've got an answer wrong. And but it would it'd be the same wrong answer page for several questions. So if you click the button, occasionally the number for the wrong answer page would come up at the top of your teletext and you'd realise you got it wrong and so you could quickly press your buttons until you found the one that was the right answer. <laughs> you're, uh, you're only cheating yourself, but it felt like you were getting more answers right on your first run-through because you hadn't seen the page telling you you were wrong. <laughs> oh. But um, anyone else got any, any favourite CFAX moments? <laughs> I liked it on page one three seven, where there was always a news item. Is that true? I should always fact check my. Uh, the one hundreds were certainly news oriented. Uh, I I, uh, I remember uh, being about nine years old or so, uh, and uh, and my friend watching, uh, what well watching, uh, kind of experiencing the cricket uh, by virtue of watching a slowly refreshing CFAX page. And I'd, I'd say that at that point I could tangibly feel myself getting older. So you know, I, I, so uh, w- welcome I say uh, to to media that are less completely nuts uh, than, than sitting there uh, wait, waiting for eighty characters to agonisingly slowly creep around almost as slowly as the game of cricket is played to begin with. I suppose those two are I- ideally pa- paired, actually, for that. But um, We've had a, a couple of emails in. Uh, we have a uh, mystery mystery emailer who also remembers the days of bamboozle on teletext. So uh, we, we've got, we've, um, we've got um, someone there who um, also joins in. And uh, we've also got a, a shout-out from uh, one of the other members of the station um, because uh, he has is now bald for charity and going, going to his brother's band's Halloween gig dressed as Voldemort, um, which um, is apparently classified as news, unusual news from the outside world. So thank you very much for that, Ben. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure that has brought lots of shock to our listeners. But uh, what I want to know is, why we, why, if you were bald, why would you not go as a character played by Richard O'Brien? <laughs> that 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 would, that would be my choice. Good point indeed. All right. Well, uh, I think it's about time where we uh, took one of those brief musical breaks again. Uh, but uh, we'll be right back uh, with some more silly news stories in just a moment. 
on air, online and across Cambridge. Your station, your Cam FM. Welcome back to Burst the Bubble. Uh, this is 97.2 Cam FM. Uh, that was Justice with On and On, which is awesome, incidentally. Uh, probably the... the uh, <laughs> well, let, let me be as complimentary as possible that I can be. I found a really good song in the Cam FM playlist, and it was that one. Uh, and earlier we had Biffy Clyro with Bubbles, which is also good, uh, but better known, or at least better known to me. Uh, right, uh, now then, what about the headline challenge, eh? Earlier I challenged our listeners to, uh, to fill in the blank uh, in the headline, uh, Blank Buddha from Space Found to be Fake. Uh, uh, we had lots of suggestions, all of them for Mandy, uh, but the uh, but n- not including the correct answer, which was in fact Nazi. Yes, the correct headline was Nazi Buddha from Space Found to be Fake. Now, that's worth parsing as a headline. Like, it doesn't mean that they, they found a statue of the Buddha giving the salute. No, what they, what they actually had uh, was apparently there was a, uh, a statue of the Buddha uh, which the Nazi regime obtained uh, and which they claimed to be a 1,000-year-old engraving uh, and that it was done in iron from a meteorite. As in, you know, that somebody a thousand years ago had uh, sort of gone, ah, falling star, that I shall engrave into the shape of the Buddha. Uh, but no, uh, apparently this is uh, this is fake. It was carved from a meteorite, but it is not a thousand years old. But I just really like the headline. I like the fact that it's actually possible for the Guardian to, to write down the words Nazi Buddha from space found to be fake, and they're not really making it up. So kudos to the Guardian and, and kudos to whoever thought to do that some dozens of decades ago uh, and thus give me some mild entertainment this afternoon. Now back to the stories uh, actually in hand today. Michael, what's uh, this section all about? Uh, this section is the animal section. It's uh, quite a common section that we have. And we are starting off in India uh, where the Formula One organisers have said that the track for the F1 this weekend is completely dog-proof. Because uh, last time, uh, stray dogs managed to get onto the circuit during the first practice session. But what I, what um, is particularly interesting is how they have made it dog-proof. They were talking about putting some ultrasonic, um, some boxes emitting u- ultrasonic noise that dogs could hear and that would uh, irritate the dogs and forcing them to stay away. But um, what they've actually done is, in the words of Ascari Zaidi, said. We detected between six to seven entry points through which dogs or other stray animals were able to intrude on the circuit. These points have been completely sealed off. Our fencing around the circuit has now got two layers. In addition, there'll be a few teams of dog catchers around the circuit. I want to know how they detected these entry points. Whether there's some poor soul whose uh, job it was to follow dogs around a a, a track to see where (laughs) they dived in and out of. I think it would be much like finding a, a leak in a bucket. Uh, so you you in, you, in, you introduce lots and lots and lots of dogs, and then you have people stand around the circuit and see where the dogs are streaming out. You know uh, that that's not how you like. I suppose the equivalent for the bucket would be to fill it with water and then look underneath it and go aha. Uh, I'm probably thinking more of how you find a puncture, aren't I? You know when you stick an inner tube in a bucket in a bucket of water and you get like bubbles coming from the bit like like that, but instead of bubbles, dogs. Uh, but um, w- what gets me is it we detected between six to seven entry points, <laughs> which is a remarkable degree of uncertainty there on a very small number. 
And also, in between six to seven, if, if they did what you did, you were talking about, and put lots of dogs there, between six and seven would be there were six actual points which dogs got out, and then one where a few dogs got out, and then another dog got wedged in the point, and therefore was unable to get out, and dogs stopped flowing through this point. That's fine then, that one's sealed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, no more problem. <laughs> it's, it's the only way I can Just imagine. try and master the smell. It's the only way I can have, imagine them having between six to seven. But um, yeah, I, I want to know what these dog catchers are going to look like because you know all I can think of is like chitty chitty bang bang <laughs> the, the the child catcher, you know, somebody dancing around with dog food, lovely chew toys, all free today. <laughs> it could be absolutely terrifying if you're watching this on television. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so what was it in the old rhyme? Uh, I, I know an old lady who swallowed a fly. There were dogs in that. What at the dogs? Uh, oh yes. So okay. So she's she swallowed a dog to catch the cat. I think next she swallowed a horse. That was the bit of the song that I never really understood because all the others seem logical and like like spiders eat flies, birds eat spiders, cats eat birds. Dogs don't really eat cats, but it's such a such a like n- tr- known trope that dogs chase cats. But horses and dogs, n- I never really understood. It's certainly true that if you ate a horse, the dog you had previously eaten would regret the experience, mainly due to overcrowding. I think the dog would be quite flat by the time you were done eating a complete horse. I think you're a bit hypocritical to complain about dogs experiencing overcrowding, given your solution five minutes ago to the uh, this problem, flooding a stadium full of dogs. (laughs) I had ensured that there were dog leaks before I introduced lots of dogs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, one of my favourite parts of this this uh, this report it says uh, the problems caused uh, who's this a, a, an F1 driver told the BBC the problems caused by stray dogs have been over exaggerated it's never going to be a problem with the drivers I was like, no I imagine that the drivers driving around the track if there's a dog a stray dog on the track you know the drivers aren't going to have the problem there <laughs> But wait, what? <laughs> gonna be, the dogs are going to have slight more problems, aren't the, they? Well, they are, yes, around on the- surely the, the drivers are going to have really severe problems. Like, if I imagine, if you drive into a dog at two hundred miles an hour, you're, I I think you're going to regret that considerable <laughs> uh, to a considerable degree. At the very least, you're going to be unable to see anything because where there previously was visor, there now is dog, or at least you know fifty percent of a dog. I, I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> this is fine. This is a wonderful way to spice up F one. Just add, add moving hazards and you know oil slicks, red shells, yeah, banana skins. <laughs> as long as you don't add the uh, blue spiky shell, because that one was just broken. Yeah, it's just a pain, that isn't it? It's great when it's happening to somebody else. As long as there's no risk that you'll ever become a Formula One driver. Yeah. We've now alienated everyone who has never played Mario Kart. There are no such people. Let's be honest with ourselves, Michael. <laughs> uh, we've had an email in from Kim uh, saying that uh, in the song it goes, Fly, Spider, Berg, Cat, Dog, Goat, Horse. Yeah. Which, if possible, means that there are now two steps <laughs> which uh, now make little sense. And that actually undermines my previous point. Uh, because if you ate a goat and you had previously eaten a dog, the two would actually get along quite well. 
They're both small enough to fit comfortably within you, and they'd just sort of pallet up for a bit until you ate the horse, and then they'd both be all... Ah. How are you fitting both a dog and a goat inside yourself? Well, because this is radio, our listeners can't see my true girth, uh, but it is magnificent. Uh, I have to be lowered into the studio every day uh, using... You know that thing they used to get Henry VIII around the place? They've got to use one of those. The dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. No, not the drawing. No, it's the the. <laughs> you oh, the, no, it's the cow above the the, the dinosaur enclosure. The, oh <laughs> yes, yes, okay, yes. I was gonna. I, I'll, I'll I don't recall that, out. but that bit in Jurassic Park when they have a forklift moving the dinosaurs around, <laughs> just lazy T Rexes going, go on, go on, get in there. I, I like that Kim had to point out that Kim was her name. Yeah, in in this, uh, rather than something that was eaten in in inside the song, um. <laughs> Because then uh, people would start assuming that it was Kim from Rudyard Kipling's Jungle Book, which is a bird. Is it? Oh, okay. I, 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 I'm going to find out that that's incorrect now, and I'll be really embarrassed. But moving on, um, we've got some more animal stories, and dinosaurs are, in fact, in our next story. Um, although no cows are being kind of, like, lifted up and dropped into their enclosure. That's uh, sad. But- but their research has suggested that dinosaur feathers were in fact developed for courtship displays um, rather than like keeping the dinosaurs warm or something like that. Uh, because they found um, new specimens in ancient river deposits in Alberta, Canada. And, uh, they, and um, they, they come from a different part of the family tree to um, the uh, other feathered dinosaurs, suggesting it was quite, quite w- widespread. So... I can, uh, we can, uh, this is something that I wish was in Ju- Jurassic Park. The feathered dinosaurs doing a mating dance or, or some descriptions. That would make them a bit scary, a bit less scary rather, sorry. <laughs> they are undermining the point of the film, would it not? You, you say that, but what if one of the dinosaurs started coming towards you doing the mating dance? Would you not be terrified? Well, yes, but... But, but, but you'd also feel quite, quite 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 happy in the fact going. I don't I, feel about that way about you, but I, I'm quite I'm quite flattered yeah, by the I attention. I feel ready to get my groove on. Oh yeah, do some <laughs> dancing. Oh yeah, <laughs> just have a dance off between the scientists and the dinosaurs. <laughs> this is a very different film now that we've ended up with. <laughs> it turns out that that signature sound from Jurassic Park of the T Rex going that's T Rex for it's on. <laughs> So at the risk of banging the old um, archaeologists are making everything they say up drum, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bang that drum. It's a very uh, specific drum. It is a very specific drum. How does it drum. sound, it is, Chris? It, it, is not often, it is not often drummed, uh, but on this occasion I will drum it. I will dust it off and then drum it. They're clearly making this up, because how are you getting... So the, the allegation is not just that they had feathers or that they may have used them in courtship displays, which is a thing which you'd have to make up. The allegation is that they developed them for that specific purpose, rather than having them incidentally for some other reason, and then going on to use them in, some, in, uh, in courtship displays. Uh, How would you possibly defend this sentence? What possible observation of the fossil record would you make that would lead you to that conclusion? You, you like it would have to be so specific. You'd have to find a pile of dinosaurs that didn't appear to have many, uh, many um, feathers, and which were also observably lonely, like from the fossil record. And then another pile that had all the feathers and that were observably satisfied with their love life. 
Ah, how? How, how, how would you, would you, would you they, go about... They found fossilised uh, dating site records, perhaps. <laughs> you, know, the, the, you know, Cambridge University students can fashion computers out of rock. Surely the dinosaurs could have managed that. <laughs> perhaps they just found a really, really old recording of the song, Shake Your Tail Feather. Uh, apparently, no, appa- apparently what they um, discovered is that both juvenile and adult specimens had evidence of downy feathers... But only an adult had wing-like structures. Ah, indicating that they grew. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but not necessarily that they were used for courtship. Yeah. I've not quite followed the uh, thinking here, but it's um, if you if you want to look up the paper, it's in Science, um, the, the magazine, um, the journal, magazine. You know, if you oh, were going, yes. if you were going to apply the same logic as those scientists to humans, then you'd end up sort of going, "Hmm, it appears that the juvenile humans are only three feet tall, whilst the adults are heading towards five or six. That indicates that the prin- main principle of their courtship display was going, check out my altitude, <laughs> check out my ability to reach the high shelf. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the only tool I've got in my dating arsenal. I don't know about you." But- <laughs> Uh, J- Jonathan does in fact tower over the two of us for any of you listeners who might be interested except for the fact that I'm sitting down I am 6'4 when st- stood up but I'm still winning for volume <laughs> I, 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 you're in control of the <laughs> the, the volumes though yourself aren't you so. I, I'm winning like as in measured in me- cubic metres I'm, win- <laughs> I'm winning for both mass and volume but, but, oh that the- volume <laughs> yes that but the- <laughs> Yeah. Big, you remember that joke that I made a bit ago about how I was lowered into the studio like King Henry VIII? Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, it's like a callback. It was a yeah. It was oh, one of those callback yeah. things. Oh dear. <laughs> Our final animal story this week is that um, Scottish airport staff uh, discovered a Mexican serpent stowaway under one of the seats, um, which of course gives. There's an obvious joke here to make, so I'm going to make it, which is just it was a low budget filming. A uh, legit version of snakes on a plane, just one single snake lazing under a seat on the plane. But um, in, the, in, in the actual um, news story, um, I'm not sure where, where this ca- where, where this word came from in the news story because it's in quote marks, but it's not attributed. But um, Fertivo, the type, the um, snake, which is Spanish for sneak, um, as he's now been named, is apparently not venomous but feisty. Now, I'm only really used to the word feisty um, being uttered in such context as describing the new Doctor Who companion. But So I'm, I'm, I'm confused as to how this snake was feisty. It's all the feathers it was waving around. No, no feathers, there's a picture. Oh, is there? Oh. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> the, 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 on, on the matter of snakes that exist now, we have considerably better evidence. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to say about snakes, uh, but I do have to say about uh, the new Doctor Who companion uh, that, that, uh, that, that she is uh, uh, moderately evil. Uh, and, and here is my allegation as to why. There's a bit in the first episode of the new Doctor Who, uh, like the, the new series, uh, when, she, when she's introduced, uh, where she's, uh, she's uh, guiding... Rory around, and if you don't watch Doctor Who, then just imagine a sort of a a, a somewhat wibbling guy, uh, and and she, she's she's guiding him around, and then he, he runs into a room and goes like, you know, what now, what now? Uh, and she says, just pop your shirt off, love, uh, and he goes, what, why? And she goes, does there have to be a reason? Now the thing about that is that is a pickup line as would be used by Roger Moore playing James Bond. 
Like, you know, flip flip the roles around here. She's Roger Moore. <laughs> that is why she's probably moderately evil. <laughs> was Roger Moore noticeably evil in the Bond films? Yeah, well, he, okay, no, he was—he was certainly, uh, you know, he's an, un, he's he was—he was, he was an unreconstructed prehistoric man, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, and uh, as we know about un- unreconstructed prehistoric men, they used feathers in courtship rituals, <laughs> <laughs> thus being considerably more advanced than Bond. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to snakes. Um, but um, yes, uh, also. Um, Quick thinking workers at Glasgow Airport remained, and then there's another. This is another in quotation marks, so I'm not sure whether it's a quote or just a going. Oh, it was sort of a bit like this. Remained remarkably calm when they discovered the snake, but it, it's one of those things where you're kind of going. There's a snake. It's obviously been here for a while, and noticeably, we've not had anyone on the plane die or the plane crash, or any other shenanigans worthy of a film starring Samuel L. Jackson. So, therefore, odds are that this snake is not, in fact, all that dangerous, and, in fact, has just had a bit of a kip. So, but I'm not sure that's remarkable so much as expected. Or maybe, I, I'm, maybe, I'm, uh, maybe I'm attributing too much calmness to uh, the, the Glas- Glaswegian airport staff in general, I have to say I wouldn't join you in 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 that particular supposition. Like you know, the the principle it hasn't bitten anybody yet, therefore it never will bite anybody. Seems like you know, that that that's a road direct to the grave, right there. Like, <laughs> an unmarked grave, no less. If you if you find a snake on a plane, genuinely run like crazy. You know, like that that that's the bit where the emergency card that usually says exit in a calm fashion, in this case says exit exit in a bewildered fashion. Just 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 run up and down the aisle and, and until such time as you either leave the building or are snaked uh, so, so snakes aren't like those dinosaurs that can only see you if you move <laughs> I what <laughs> dinosaurs that can only see me when I move in Jurassic Park there's a bit where they're all trying to stand still because the uh, dinosaurs would only see them if they're in motion so I, 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 I was just wondering whether that was true for some species of snake Yeah, I think it's true for bulls maybe there's a whole thing where the red rag isn't actually... It's not the fact that it's red that gets a bull angry. It's the fact that it's no, moving it's waving around. waving around. <laughs> Just a thing waving, and that naturally aggravates people. Bulls. All right, well, I think it's time we got out of the studio and went and did some practical science. So we're going to go ra- wave a red rag at a snake, uh, and we'll see whether we're still alive next week. Uh, so uh, join us next week uh, for more of the same uh, at 4 o'clock, as per usual. Uh, we will see you then. <laughs>